0: Alright, what's up? This is Michael Rappaport, and this is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. It's my birthday, and I'll rant if I want to. I'll say it again, it's my birthday, and I will rant if I want to. I'm going solo on that ass. See, the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Special guest, the Southern baritone NBA stylings, of former high-flying NBA unicorn, my main man, Sexy Rex Chapman is with me on today's I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast talking March sadness, NBA madness, whether or not Carmelo has anything left in the tank what it was like running through the paint against Rick Mahorn and Moses Malone, all that and more with a true blue, former high-flying NBA unicorn, Mr. Rex Chapman. But first, like I said, it's my birthday and I'll rant if I want to. Miles, Jordan, let me get something real funky, something real special. Matter of fact, let me get the traditional theme song for my 48th birthday. Let's go. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Stereo Podcast. Podcast Live. You're down with Rappaport. Yes, I am. Get down with Rappaport. Yes, I am. I'm down with Yes, I am. i down with Yes, I am. You better tune in. I am Rappaport.com. Cause every single podcast, you know he drops bombs. I seen him on set, a season vet with True Town. Catch him on his way to CrossFit, rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track cause he know I rhyme a But I'm just waiting for the Robert, Robert De Niro line of, line of the week. Breakfast the champions, toasted bagel, cream, cream cheese, and lock. This is I am Rappaport. The show never stops. We might catch him out. Public stretching his knees, but if you don't listen to the show, yo, wiggle please. is the I am Rappaport podcast. All right, it's my birthday, and I will rant if I want to. Have no fear, the I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. G Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, couldn't make it to this one. He'll be back later in the week. He's probably somewhere jumping rope and doing squats in preparation. For the dunk that won't happen. A lot of people are excited, curious, whether or not three-time podcast co-host of the year, G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, can dunk. I am telling you right now, this motherfucker cannot dunk, will not be dunking anything. Do not get your hopes up, okay? On a 10-foot rim, I'll even let the motherfucker try to dunk on a nine and a half. Foot rim. There will be no dunking from G Moody. Last name rhymes with duty. He will be back on the next Iron Rappaport Stereo podcast. Listen, it's my birthday. Okay? I am now officially 48 years old. 320, 1970, 546 in the morning. I came screeching, scratching, clawing, and talking shit right out of my mother's vagina and the world hasn't been quiet since me give a shout out to my mom june my father and my brother eric for dealing with all my shit throughout the years i know it hasn't been easy i'm gonna give a shout out to my dog wheezy i, I was thinking about this my dog wheezy okay he knows me better than anyone, even better than my wife, better than G. Moody, better than my mom and my dad. He's heard it all. He's looking at me right now while I'm podcasting. He must think I'm fucking nuts because I know my dog has something wrong with him. Now, it might have something to do that he was the last of the litter, okay, until I until I took him out of the hardship Out of a New Orleans pound. He was the last of a litter in a pound. Okay? And I took him, and he slept in my bed that very first night. The motherfucker thinks I'm his father. Wheezy, I'm not your father. Okay, I'm podcasting. He doesn't know if I'm talking to him. Can you imagine being a dog sitting in a room with the owner? He's Now he won't make eye contact with me because he knows I'm talking about him. Can you imagine being the dog And 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 the dog's owner slash master, and he actually thinks I'm his actual fucking father. He's sitting there ranting and raving, all alone. I'm all alone right now, just me and my dog. And he's looking at me. He doesn't know if I'm talking to him. He doesn't know about the fucking rapper pack. He doesn't know any of it. He's dazed and fucking confused. That's not my point. The point was, the point was, is that the shit talking started. Okay, it's on record. 1972, I broke my femur, fell off a of bed, okay, I had a shit cast, I had a diaper cast on, this is 1972, the technology wasn't what it is today, now you have casts that are like, you know, they're, they they are move, what's the word, I don't know what the word is, see, I'm Rapport Stereo Podcast, you know, we don't fact check anything, even on my birthday, we don't fact check, they're more malleable, the casts today are more malleable, I'm going to post a picture of this cast, this this diaper cast that I had to wear in 1972 when I broke my leg, okay? And I had uh, my left femur, the thigh, broken. The cast came below the knee on the left side, and then there was a bar that came across the middle, a bar, a steel bar. And then the half... Half of my right leg also had a cast. And in the middle because I was two, okay? in the middle because I was two, there was a, a open part for a diaper. Hence the term a diaper cast. okay? I had a diaper cast on and it's a fact. My mother, she will verify this. six months after having this fucking diaper cast on, I was in New York hospital with a saw. One of my earliest memories with a saw. They're sawing the cast off. This is the 70s. It's not like a saw you cut down trees with. Okay? But with a saw, they were sawing the cast off. And my mother said that I told the doctor and I quote. This is a fact. It's going to sound shocking to some of you. Get this fucking thing off of me. And the doctor said to my mother, can you believe what your son just said? And my mother said, if you had a diaper cast on your body for six months, what the fuck would you say? Get the cast off him, and let's get the fuck out of here. Now, I'm not blaming my mother for the filthy language that I have, okay? I am just I'm just stating history, okay? I, I feel a little sentimental, 48, 48 years old, and I'm going to be totally honest with you about something... I am a lot happier with 48 than I was 47. Not that I was unhappy with the number 47, but, you know, I'm not a big number person. I look fantastic, okay? I look great. Been going to the gym. Been going to Runyon Canyon, as I told you. By the way, I'm not going to say it. Last week, I I was reminded that I was going to tell you that I saw another big, big celebrity all by himself at Runyon Canyon, and and I'm going to just keep it, I'm going to just keep it at Runny Canyon. I'm going to keep it at Runny Canyon. Hold on. I don't know where the fuck I was. My phone, it it rings. The FaceTimes, it rings. Oh, yes. I remember where I was. My skin looks great. So I'm shooting a typical season two. And there's a woman who works on the show. The makeup artist. She cleans my face. She gets the shit and the, the makeup and all the piss and the smut. And then then the sun and the sunblock. She cleans it and I look great. I look great. I've been fasting. Uh, I've been eating good. I haven't had meat in three weeks. Staying away from the dairy. Going to wild card boxing. I look great, okay? The point is, is that the number, 47, there's something about it. The straight lines, four, straight, straight. Seven, seven, you know, like the movie Seven, seven. Uh, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, what's in the box? I just never liked the number 47. 48, it's round. It's got a round. The circles, it's better. Round 48, it's, it's just a better, just a better number. Okay, it's just a better number. 47, the year 2017, the year that I was 47. Great year. Great fucking year. Okay, I had some health issues. I lost my voice. That was fucked up. The summer of 2017 is the year it almost went silent for me, the gringo man dingo. That was a struggle. That was a fucking struggle when you talk as much shit as I talk. And what the story that I told you earlier is true. I've been I've been talking shit since I came out of the vagina. That's a fact. I don't know. I don't know. how I, If you met my mother, you'd be like, where did this person, my father's mild-mannered, quiet, talks a lot of shit, but, but not the same way I do. This is not a big cursor. My mother's not a big cursor. In the 70s, you know, I grew up in Manhattan. You did whatever the fuck you wanted to do. You went to the park. You rode your bikes. You heard things. I was exposed to things. We all were. People smoked weed like they were eating fucking, you know, jelly beans. I wasn't a weed smoker, I heard a lot of cursing, cursed a lot, talked a lot of shit, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, okay, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, it's my birthday, I'll rant if I want to, it's my birthday, I'll rant if I want to. The bottom line is this, I'm 48, I'm a Pisces, okay, I'm on the cusp of being an Aries, and that's it, that's it, I feel good, I look good, I know I look good. I'll be the first one to tell you when I look like shit I know I look good okay? I know I look good And I know I know how to throw a straight jab Right down the fucking pipe Been doing it three, four times a week At wild card boxing With my man Freddie Roach And my trainer Liam The Irish Wonderboy Anyway Ty Lu, The head coach Who I've given a lot of shit to For the last three seasons The head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers has stepped down it's hard to get a straight answer on what's what who's who and where this is going Uh, and I'm not going to make light of it God forbid something happened to Ty Lue it's a stressful fucking job you heard the David Fisdale interview okay 5 Mike interview with the great David Fisdale take that for data take that for data he was on the podcast last week. Listen to it. Learn it. Love it. Sean Payton, NFL coach, he talked about the stress, the amount of work, the amount of hours that a professional football coach deals with. Tyloo is the coach of the most scrutinized basketball team in the world. One of his biggest scrutinizers is me. Me. But that being said, there's no championship rings, there's no championships, there's no Eastern Conference Finals, there's no Game 7s that are more important than your life. So I wish Ty Lu a very healthy, speedy, but don't rush, recovery, you know, chest pains and, and that kind of stress, stress can kill you. And I was thinking, you know, they're they're not being very clear as to what uh, what was going on with him. But stress is a mental health issue. It's in the mental health world. And you know, this year in the NBA, there's been many storylines: James Harden possibly MVP, you know, Lonzo Ball, Ben Simmons, trust in the process, Porzingis injuries. There's so many different storylines: KD, Golden State, other. Oh, but one of the big storylines, and it's a good thing, is the mental health issues that have come up, and it's happened quickly. It's it's just since the All-Star break that have come up. And Ty Lue, although he's talking about chest pains, stress is in the mental health family. And I think it's a good thing that these young athletes and that these sports coaches acknowledge. And if you need to take a week off, two weeks off, or step away for the rest of the season. Fucking do it. So as much as I can't stand the Cleveland Cavaliers um, and everything they represent for basketball, I want Ty Lue to, hey, if you can't come back, don't come back. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. And I'm glad that people are talking about mental health in sports. Glad that people are talking about mental health in general. I'm whacked out of my fucking tree. I know it. It's a fact. I know I'm out of my fucking tree. Okay? Um, but LeBron James, you can't keep this fucking guy down. What does he do? What does he do his first game without Ty Lue? By the way, Kevin Love, friend of the Iron Rapaport Stereo podcast. You know what that means? Friend of the Iron Raport Stereo podcast means at some point, not going to guarantee it. I will say at some point, Kevin Love will be on this Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. He's got bigger fish to fry. Guy's fucking thumb was just broken, but he just came back. Okay? But LeBron James, under duress, this fucking beast, this animal, comes back, gets a triple-double, they get their first win. My man Chris Broussard, another friend of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, you know what that means? I can guarantee you he's coming on this show. We're talking all things with my man Chris Broussard. Used to work at ESPN. Now he works at Fox Sports One. Love him. Sources. He's coming on this show. Um, he's talking about, you know, they they need something to rally around. And, you know, this and that. And I said, listen, you know, you can only rally, okay, so many times. They rallied right before the playoffs when they got rid of the entire roster. Then the rally stopped, and you can only rally around these things so many times. It is not happening with the Cleveland Cavaliers, whether Ty Lue is there, whether my man and friend of the Iron Rapport Serial Podcast, Kevin Love, is there. They just can't do it. You can only pull so many rabbits out of your fucking hat. Okay? Even you, LeBron James, who, by the way, is the MVP this year. Again, he's the fucking MVP this year. Whether you like it or not. And everybody knows I don't like it. But he's the best player in the NBA. And he is the most valuable player in the NBA. Because without LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't even make the fucking playoffs in the Eastern Conference this year. With LeBron James, without their coach, they're making it to the finals. Barring injury. Woke up the other day, Jim Carrey was trending on Twitter. I was like, uh-oh. I, I, you know, when an actor is trending on Twitter in this day and age, especially a male actor, uh, unfortunately, y- you feel like, uh, you know, something bad has happened. God forbid something's wrong, uh, you know, with their health, or you, you just never fucking know. It's, when, a, when a male actor is trending on Twitter now, fucking watch out. We were just talking about uh, Jim Carrey. I think I was talking about Jim Carrey with uh, the shooter, the young shooter, Dean Collins. Um, Because I just recently saw him in a documentary uh, about the making of the Andy Kaufman film, Man on the Moon. And there was a documentary uh, uh, that was so goddamn self- Indulgent, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He's like talking about how method acting he was and how seriously he took it, and how Andy Kaufman, you know, uh, you know, took over his body. This is the uh, movie, The Man on the Moon. Really good movie. Um, and I, you know, while they were filming it, they had all this uh, uh, backstage footage and behind the scenes footage, and then they finally released it. Anyway, this documentary is interesting, but it is. I was like, Jesus Christ, Jim Carrey loves... Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey's biggest fan. And I fuck with Jim Carrey, but golly, motherfucker. It wasn't Raging Bull. You were great in Man on the Moon. But it wasn't Raging Bull. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. It wasn't a lot of things. A very good performance. Very intense performance. Profound performance. But I wouldn't even put it in my top 10 performances of the last 20 years. No disrespect. Anyway, I fuck with Jim Carrey, but this documentary, uh, which you could check out if you're a Jim Carrey fan, because it is Jim Carrey to the T. It's called Jim and Andy, the Great Beyond. It's on Netflix. That's not the point. When I saw Jim Carrey was trending on Twitter, I was like, what the fuck happened? So Jim Carrey released a couple of paintings that he made of Donald Trump. And uh, Donald Trump's basically, it's like, his fucking, bo- his bouncer, his press, they call her a press secretary. But she's like a, like a bouncer at a club. Sarah Huckabee. And the world goes fucking nuts. You know, he didn't make Sarah Huckabee uh, look very flattering. And listen, she doesn't carry herself in a very flattering way. She's mean. She's like a fucking goon. She's basically Donald Trump's goon. Sarah Huckabee is Donald Trump's That's like her fucking, like her goon, like Luca Brasi in The Godfather, okay? That's what she is. She's like, uh, you know, the great Heavy D, he said, "Heav is at the door, so there'll be no bum rushing. I think that was in uh, the song, uh, what the fuck was it? Uh, Self-destruction, Heav is at the door, so there'll be no bum rushing. Sarah's at the door, so there'll be no bum rushing. She's holding the fucking fort down, and that's her fucking job. Okay, that's her fucking job. Looks so like a shit-stained Sean Spicer and the mooch. That's what their fucking job is. But it comes with the territory. So so uh, Jim Carrey put out a, a painting. He loves painting. He takes it very seriously. You can see all that in his documentary. And this picture of Sarah Huckabee, you know, it, it doesn't show her, you know, in the most flattering way. But again, listen, she's not winning any beauty contests, but that's not even about It's just her disposition. She's just a fucking mean goon. She's a press secretary goon. She's a doorman or door woman. She's a bouncer. She's Donald Trump's fucking bouncer. She's the, she's the first line of defense when it comes to all things Stain Donald Trump. So he put a, a painting out about her and he said, this portrait of a so-called Christian whose only purpose in life is to lie for the wicked. And he called her a monster, a monstrous. You know, fact check. See, I'm rap for you. Think on my birthday? My birthday podcast? I'm gonna fact check. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not fact checking on my birthday. No can do. Sorry. And people were going fucking nuts. And then he released a couple of paintings of Dick Stane, Donald Trump himself. Got him looking like a witch. Straight witched him out with the fingernails and the hat like the Wicked Witch of the West. Called him the Wicked Witch of the West Wing. And Putin's monkeys. Everybody's jumping down. Who is he to do this? Why would he do this? This is pathetic. He's a bully. He's sexist. He's a hater. Fuck all that shit. Listen. Let me tell you something. Republicans, Democrats, Trump supporters, not Trump supporters. Yo, make your own paintings. You love Trump so much, make a flattering painting of him. I want to see somebody who could contrive a flattering painting of Dick Stein, Donald Trump. I want to see somebody who can come up with a flattering painting of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Donald Trump's goon. Can't do it. If you love Trump so much, make some flattering art. If you love Trump so much, make some flattering pictures to support him. Like, they, like you, you think that Jim Carrey tried to assassinate Donald Trump, and I don't support, condone any of that kind of shit. But people are just going nuts about this. This is insane. This is the reason why I am suspended on Facebook. Because of these you know, radical right-wing fucks. They suspended me on Twitter, suspended me on Facebook because of a rant about a Fox News reporter who was so blatantly racist. Listen, it ain't that fucking serious. If you love Donald Trump so much, make your own paintings to counteract the art that's coming from the quote-unquote liberals, the Democrats, and the Jim Carrey types. Which brings me to this. Did a long, long, long rant about little Zane, little Zan, little Xanax. You know, I'm not going to rehash it about the whole Tupac thing. Now, apparently, he's had to run for his life. Listen, first of all, little Xanax is 21 years old. I don't want anything bad to happen to him, and I hope no one would want that. Do not. Fuck with Little Zan. You want to talk shit to him, fine. You want to heckle him fine. Nobody should be threatening him. His life shouldn't be put in danger because he said something stupid and out of place about uh about Tupac. Even the hardest, hardcore Tupac fan wouldn't say that. It is crazy people out there. As much as I'd like to talk shit about these, there are young kids. Listen, I say I am the, the king of trash talk. Not everything I say should could, and would I want to be used against me in a court of law? Okay, so even though this fucking mumble rap, pill-popping freak said that, doesn't mean he should be, you know, running for his life and scared for his life. So I just want to make sure that uh, I don't support any of that. I do not support any of that. This kid's on the fucking run. This rapper, listen, we all know the story, Tupac and Biggie. No one wanted it to end this way. Leave little Xanax alone. You want to talk shit to him on Instagram? Fine. You see him, do not... He shouldn't be threatened with baseball bats and need police escorts. Shouldn't happen. I'm going to tell you something that's good, though. Okay. I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We have Butter Soft. Butter Soft. I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. And we have the new Sucker Shit T-Shirt. The new Sucker Shit T-Shirt in black... With the white letters, with the red bar, Buttersoft, shit t-shirt, the Disruptive Behavior t-shirt that is sweeping the nation. Okay? All I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are Buttersoft, and they are now available once again at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. That's districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport the sucker shit t-shirt version 2 in black, white with the red is out and the disruptive behavior brand new Buttersoft t-shirt is out districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport alright what else what else, did I tell you it's my birthday I tell you I'm 48 okay um I don't know what's going on, but I will say I I am one of the people that uh, brought this to the attention, and it's happened yet again just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of podcasts ago. uh, I mentioned that there's a wild, rabid coyote in Yonkers, New York. Before that, we mentioned uh, some other coyotes in another part of the country. I don't fuck with coyotes I used to live in the hills of Los Angeles And one of the main reasons Why I even moved out of the hills Is because one night I was walking home This is when I would stay out I don't know It was like 1, 2.30 in the morning I don't do that now I had dinner with somebody the other day I was home at 12.30 it Fucked me up for three days I'm literally in bed at 9, 30, 8 I don't give a shit watch my shows, go to sleep. It's not because I'm old. sister. I what do I need to be out for? I like to get up early, get my fucking mind together. Uh, but I remember, um, this is shit. My first son was born. It's 2001. He's coming home late. I don't know, but maybe it was before he was born. 2002, who the fuck knows? Okay. Coyote. Ran across my roof. I had a house in the hills. The roof was low or it was high, but then at a certain point it got low. Coyote was running across my roof, ran past my fucking leg, grazed my leg and ran past me. Scared the shit out of me. Scared the shit out of me. When I would walk my two dogs, my old dog, Stanley, not you, Weezy, not you, not talking about you. Look at him, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on My old dog Stanley May he rest in peace Was a she um, And my other dog Frankie My first dog pure bread uh, uh, Lab Chocolate lab Um, When I'd walk them at night in the hills Coyotes would walk Like up to us Like they were going to rob us I would be frozen with fear. I never liked these little fuckers. Okay, so of course, when I see a coyote in my neighborhood carrying a dead cat in his fucking mouth, I don't know why people think that that's funny. Okay, I'm scared of those motherfuckers. Okay, and you should be in Los Angeles, California. In the city of L.A., like the great Tupac once said, in the city of good old Watts, California love. A 5-year-old boy was bitten on a California college campus just the other day. The boy suffered a minor leg wound. He is being tested for other diseases. And what else could be wrong with you, you don't know what the fuck these coyotes could have. You don't know what 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 if you you listen you can catch something from kissing somebody. You I'm I'm pretty sure and I don't feel like I want to share it. On my 48th birthday, I shared. When in 1987 I caught gonorrhea. The one time I had an STD. I had an STD. 1987. Just started having sex. Probably had sex with my fifth or sixth girl at the time. I was nuts. Was at basketball pack practice. Long story short, I felt like I pissed myself. Looked down at my loaf. Little green snot coming out of my loaf. Scared the shit out of me. Scared the shit out of me. I had to go see the the uh, what is not the doctor they called it the, the not the physician. This is in Martin Luther King High School. Okay, gave me a little pill. Shameful, shameful as a grown up. Even more shameful as a 17 year old. Go in there, a woman, gotta unfold the loaf, stick the Q tip up your loaf, tell you, yeah, you, you got gonorrhea. Nasty fuck you. 17, you don't have the balls to tell the girls, two or three girls that you're sleeping around with, uh, I got green dicks not coming out of my dick. I hate to offend anybody. I know that's graphic, okay? I'm just telling you. I don't even know how I got, oh, yeah. You could have get that from having sex. So if you get bit by a fucking wild coyote, who the hell knows what you could catch? You don't know what you could catch. So this college campus is on high alert. They want to kill the fucking coyote. They want to catch him and kill him, and I understand. Imagine if you're out there running around in a field or a park With your five-year-old and he gets bit by a fucking, forget a dog, a coyote. A little kid could turn into a fucking werewolf. You don't know what the fuck could happen. You don't know what could happen. That little kid could be playing wiffle ball in a couple of days, get angry, and turn into a fucking werewolf. I'd be scared shit if I was that kid's parents. What else? I'm going to give an update on the sick fuck. Of the week from last week. This is some, some more sick, weird stuff. Remember the, uh, the high school teacher? Remember the guy who uh, fed the uh, puppy to a snapping turtle in Idaho? This is a school teacher, a junior high school teacher, right? Sned a, a snapping turtle to a puppy. Well, the puppy had to be euthanized because what are you going to do? You're trying to create some kind of fucking dinosaur animal? You feed a puppy... A snapping turtle in front of kids? The puppy has to be put down, you sick fuck. So not only did you kill the turtle, you sick fuck, the puppy had to go also. Lock this fucking guy up. This guy can't be a goddamn school teacher. He killed the turtle, and they had to humanely euthanize the puppy because of this sick animal. Last week's sick fucker week. All right, that's it. Listen only do so much okay i got birthday parties i am actually wearing there's a party store in los angeles on melrose anybody from los angeles will attest to this called the party store i went there by myself yesterday and i got myself a fucking birthday hat that's right that's right i'm wearing my own birthday hat okay now i don't want presents i don't want anything i just like the number 48 Okay, I, I went out of my way to tell people, don't do any surprises. Not that anyone was, was going to surprise me. Told my wife, don't surprise me. Told the young shooter, don't surprise me. Told the Dust Brothers, do not surprise me. Now, none of them may have even been thinking or considering doing me a surprise party. Maybe that was just wishful thinking. Maybe I was trying to do reverse psychology on you fucks. Okay? I'm just excited that I look so good. I feel so good. Hopefully my inflammation is down. And I can continue on the road of looking fantastic at 48, getting lean and mean and doing the damn thing. All right, coming up next, my main man, sexy Rex Chapman. Do you know that Rex Chapman was my basketball camp counselor at the five-star basketball camp And I believe, 1987 or 1988? He was one year out of Kentucky. After his freshman year, he made a splash at Kentucky. High-flying white boy dunking on people's fucking heads at the University of Kentucky. Winning dunk contests, doing all kinds of fly shit, talking all kinds of shit. And then he was my camp counselor. I was like, oh, shit. We reconnected later. Last year, we were at the NBA Finals together. He was there with me with the plunger, with the broom. We're talking all sorts of basketball, NCAA. It's March Madness. We're talking NBA. We're talking old school players. We're talking Rookies of the Year. We're talking who's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft this summer and so much more. The sexy baritone voice, the Kentucky Wildcat, Flying Unicorn, my main man, Rex Chapman, coming up next on the I. M. Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles Jordan. Let me get something funky to bring us into Rex Chapman. Ah! All right. You're about to hear the sexy baritone voice of uh, the man they used to call the, the, the Wonder Boy. I think they called him the Wonder Kid at some point. They, uh, uh, King Rex, aka the Wonder Boy, some people refer to him. I don't know if you made this up on your own. It's sexy, Rexy, my man, former camp counselor at the five-star basketball camp. Um, I'm surprised uh, uh, that nothing happened to me; that I made it out there, out of there alive. Uh, Rex Chapman is with me on the <laughs> I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Um, I, what can I say, Rex? It's March. This is your time of year, right?
1: Right. I'm I'm the country Barry White. Is that what you're saying?
0: Listen, you got a nice, uh, is it a baritone? (laughs) Like, you got a nice country drawl. I mean, you you know, I mean, you should be like a voiceover artist. Like, you could be doing, like, commercials, like Chevy, like, you could be, like, Chevy Tough. Like, you know, they got, like, those commercials where, like, it's like, I got my car, I go fishing.
1: That's right. That's right. I could do that stuff. Think about it, I could be all kinds of a sellout.
0: Right? Yeah, sell out, sell in, man. What do you mean, sell out? Sell in. It's time to sell in, man.
1: I got you. I got you.
0: Rex Chapman, my man. How you feeling, my friend?
1: I'm great. It is great time of year, right, Mike? I mean, come on. What's better? We got basketball, every level high school, college, NBA, G League. I mean, it's WNBA. all over the place.
0: It's the middle of March. Let me That's just great. jump into it with you. Yeah. When you think back to your uh, your career at Kentucky. Right. Uh, you know, you guys never did that great. You made it to the Sweet 16, at your second season at Kentucky, right? Right. When, when I ask you, like, during your two years at Kentucky, who are the best players that you played against? Just at Kentucky. Like, you know, they may never have gone further. Yeah. Like, well, who are the guys that most impressed you going against them during your time at Kentucky,
1: um, David Robinson mm. was the first, and then uh, the second one that comes right to mind is Mad Max Vernon Maxwell. Wow, um, that he was Vern was uh, two years ahead, uh, but that was those were my two years in school. So I played against him both of my years, uh, but he was a couple years older than me, and just he beat up beat me up my freshman year. And then I was able to keep up a little better my sophomore year, but he was he was really good, fast, crazy, uh, funny. Uh, Mad Max could really play. Um, I'm trying to uh, play. Well, I will tell you, and I I tell him this too. First time I played against Steve Alford, mm. I was a freshman. He was a senior, and I remember playing that game, and they beat us. Uh, I think I had a bunch, and he had a bunch, and I remember thinking. Oh man, if if he's the best player in college, I could maybe play in the NBA. <laughs> did you really th- did you really think that <laughs> that's what I thought. I that was the very first time I thought, but you know, I didn't know. He was he was supposed to be, you know, really great. And he was. He was really great. But he was also a, a six foot two, strictly two guard. Right. So, you know, I love him. Love him to death, but yeah. <laughs> did you did you
0: play against him in Indiana?
1: Yeah, we played them my uh, my first year, probably about my I don't know third, fourth, fifth game in college. We played them at their place. They wouldn't play us at at our place. They would come play us in Louisville at 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 Freedom Hall. They would Bobby wouldn't come play in Rupp Arena, but we would go play in Assembly Hall, and they beat us by they either beat us in overtime or beat us late. Um uh, but it was a good it was a good game.
0: When you think back uh, to playing against Bobby Knight because you know for guys our age or older um you know he was such a force on the sideline like you know he was so intimidating and, like, he was, like, a dominant, like, it was almost like right. uh, like the sixth man, like Bobby Knight's there. Like, yeah. you don't know if he's going to freak out on his players, if he's going to freak out on his crowd. Right. Like, w- was he loud? Was he vocal um, when, when you were playing against him, when he was coaching against you?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, he was, but, you know, I, my dad was kind of like that as a coach. So uh, I grew up seeing that kind of foolishness. I mean, just, you know, irrational and, you know, completely covered up emotionally um uh it would spell out so i i kind of got used to that Um, uh, but it was it was fun uh playing against him i'll never forget we, we they beat us my freshman year and then my sophomore year we came back and we played them in a big thing in at the hoosier dome that they called the big four it was us in indiana and louisville and i think notre dame and we played Indiana, and I really was. I I think I ended up. We beat them in overtime, but I I had probably twenty. I don't know, but it was a terrible twenty. Mm. It it really was. I probably was just really bad until the end of regulation, and then in overtime. And I remember going into the uh, press room afterwards, and Bobby was in there at the microphone. The first question I heard them ask him was, "What did you think about Chapman today?" And he said, "I uh, he he definitely hurt him more than he helped him today."
2: <laughs> Is that what he said?
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you know walks right past me on the way out, just sort of nods his head, didn't say a word. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, your boy Patrick Knight's dead. Yep,
0: yep. Patrick Knight was a camper when you were a, you you were uh-huh. probably a counselor for him too. God, the That's fact right. that they allowed you to be a counselor I know. for for, I know. for teenagers at a camp. I mean, anything could have happened. Anything could have happened.
1: Yeah, but it had to be kind of dope for you guys because what? It was me and Ramil Robinson. Yo, right?
0: You guys were kind of
1: running things in college right there.
0: Yo, let me tell you something. (laughs) It was crazy. I remember distinctly seeing you, and I was like, Oh shit, Rex Chapman. (laughs) Because I had seen you in high school, like, you know, in the All-American uh-huh. game or in the dunk contest in the All-American game. And then, obviously, it was such a big to-do your your first year at Kentucky. I was like, oh, shit. Like, it was, like, crazy. <laughs> like, as a kid, like, when, like, you know, these guys are coaching you or you're taking us through drills or, you know, you yeah. just sort of monitor the shoot-arounds and stuff. Like, I was like, this is insane. Like, it was it was truly like know. heaven is a playground. Like like that five-star basketball camp at that time, there yeah, was no was cameras, fun, right? no cell phones. It was just just basketball, and you're just doing it. Yeah. And it was just happening. It was so much fun.
1: Yeah, and, and for real, I mean, Ramil and I were probably two of the best guards in college basketball at the time. And, Mike, we weren't getting paid to go back there. We were just going. Right. You know, because Garth needed us to go, asked us to go, and we went. It was it was it was pretty dope back in the day.
0: So you went to Five Star as a camper?
1: Once. Uh, and and re- really that was how I, I sort of blew up because you know, I'd been playing around in Kentucky and and stuff and then I had to go to a uh, I had to go play on a team that went to Europe when I was a junior and I was supposed to go to the Nike ABC camp on my way back from Europe and I was too tired mm-hmm. and I just went on home and then uh, the people at Five Star were like well, come on up here and then I went up there and then I was uh, JR and all those guys were there and I ended up being MVP of the camp so um, that was kind of probably how I kind of vaulted onto the national sort of deal but yeah Ramil and I were there together at camp as campers with JR Reed Terry Mills, Derek Coleman it was a good crew
0: Damn, how how good was Derek Coleman as a high
1: schooler? He silly. He was the best of all of us, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I don't even think that. I I don't think you could even argue that um, uh, anymore. Derek was incredible. And the funny thing about him, though, was uh, DC. If you look at him, you know, if you go back and you see him as a as a college kid at Syracuse, he's skinny Derek Coleman. Nah, Derek Coleman, everybody, Derek was always out of shape. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, even when he was young like that, it was always like, yeah, if Derek gets, if he loses 20 pounds, look out. Well, he could do everything, 6'11". The thing that used to just freak people out was he would get the ball off the board and turn and with his right hand throw a strike to someone on the other end. Man, Derek's left-handed. He could do so much. So talented, uh, funny dude, uh, and, and a guy you always like to be around.
0: He could have played in today's NBA because, you know, occasionally yeah. he would be out on the perimeter. I mean, he wasn't, like, shooting threes, but he would sh- – like, he had a nice jump shot. Like, no if it, he could have definitely, like, you know, if it had been today, he would have been one of those guys that could been around the perimeter like a uh, – I mean,
1: like a- he was kind of Lamar Odom like before mm-hmm. Lamar, right? Yeah, I mean, somewhat. Um, but yeah, Derek could play in any era.
0: All right, so the tournament this year, who are the teams to watch, and who's the sleeper team? And at this point, Rex, is is that question even ridiculous? Like, like, yeah. Like- Why is it ridiculous? You don't know what the hell is going to happen, right?
1: You don't know. All those numbers, everybody over the next few days is going to be lulled into believing that there's a number in front of those teams. Those kids are all 18 to 21 years old. Uh, They're all all playing with a bunch of bad referees, refereeing the games. And the 12 in front of Davidson and the 5 in front of Kentucky, who are legitimately all freshmen for Kentucky. Uh, those numbers mean nothing. They're gonna tip those balls up and the numbers go out the window. Everybody's gonna be surprised, but here's my opinion on it is Villanova's the best team. Mm. They're the best team, and I think when it's said and done, this team they have, they have at least five pros on their team. really? Yeah, I think so. I think all their starters. Um, one of them may come off the bench, but I like all three of their guards. And then you got Mikel Bridges, you got, uh, Spellman inside who's young and they're really good. I like Jay Wright. I think he's fantastic at what he does.
0: Educate me on this. Who's going to be the NBA rookie of the year next year? Like, so who's going to be the player that, that comes into the NBA makes a transition and wins that rookie of the year. Like who are the guys that are going to be, you know, like if you don't know them now and you don't follow a lot of right. college basketball, like myself, who are going to be the guys that I should learn about now? And who's going to be that one guy? Like
1: this is the guy
0: who's going to be the number one pick.
1: You no know, if I had to guess right now, I would say it'd be Deandre eight from Arizona. Okay. He, he kind of, he kind of reminds me of, a uh, of Patrick back in the day mm. around the same age, you know, just physically put together. Um, he I think he's legitimate, but he's also a big man in today's NBA. And that's kinda you know, he can step out and shoot at some, but he's a man and a man among boys right now. Um Jaron Jackson Junior. Jaron Jackson, remember him played at Georgetown? Yep. Played in the NBA for a while, six five swing man. Yep. His son, his son is a freshman at Michigan State and he's just learning. He's six eleven and long, and I mean, he he beat shots up for fun. He's a professional shot blocker. Okay, that can do it in his sleep. And then they've got other kid Bridges on their team, so they have two lottery picks.
0: What do you think of Trey Young as far as getting drafted and going into the NBA?
1: Is is, is he an NBA player? He's, I think he's an NBA player, but I'm, you know, it's just my opinion. I love him offensively. He's a beautiful offensive bas- basketball player, uh, can pass really has a great, great feel for the game, but Mike, they go at him in a college game, whether he's guarding the one or the two spot and in the college game, he can't defend his position. Mm. So when I, that's a big question mark for me, um, Look, Stephen Curry is not the best defender. Steve Nash, not the best defender, but those guys would fight you, and at least lengthwise could – you know, Steve's 6'3". Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Young is small, and he's short-limbed, Steph's long limb. you got to have that weird mix if you're going to be – you can't just strictly be an offensive player. I mean, God, I would love that. I'd try to come back tomorrow if that mm-hmm. was me.
0: Okay. <laughs> Now, when you look at, like, these guys, uh, uh, obviously, you played with Dell Curry. Uh, I believe mm. legend has it that you actually changed Steph Curry's yeah. diapers. Um, That's right. When I was researching, speaking to you, digging deep, uh, Tito Horford, who's oh. Al Horford's dad, was in your draft class. First of all, like, are, do you start to feel like, oh, shit, I'm old as fuck? Um All, when the, is time. It gonna, all the time. Tito Horford's all, father. T- I mean, Al yeah. Horford's dad was in your draft.
1: Yeah, Al Horford's dad, uh, Tito, hands of stone, by the way, uh, couldn't catch anything. I'm so glad Al got his mother's hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, those guys, Well, Harvey, Harvey Grant, he's got two kids in the NBA. I remember the day they were born. Um, We were, you know, on the same team with the Bullets. Um, Dell, same way, but it's everybody. You know, it's everybody this age, which is just, just crazy. We're just getting old, Mike, you know it.
0: Well, Rex, I want to correct you. You're, you're a little bit older than me. Okay. So I don't (laughs) want you to try to drag me into this. Okay, All right. Okay, I, I, you're a little bit older than me. I mean, I didn't know, like, you know, Tito Horford. Uh, the fact that that was guy was in your draft, like, I, it just because Al Horford is like thirty something. Steph just yeah. turned thirty, so the, like, if I do the math, and I don't want to put you on the yeah. spot, like, you're almost like mid sixties now, correct?
1: No, nah, nice, okay. nice, nice, okay, okay. Uh, he, he's, he's in New York. Um,
0: um, now, 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 Rex, who's going to be the Kyle Kuzma? Of next year's Jeff. Who's gonna be the man. guy that we're not talking about now? That like six months from now, I'm gonna say Rex Chapman told me this was gonna be You the remember
1: guy. who you remember who I gave you last year. Who'd you it give was me our guy, it was our guy Donovan Mitchell. Yes. From Louisville. Yes. I said I had him the fifth, I think, ranked fifth overall in front, in front of two of my Kentucky guys who I also love. But Donovan Mitchell, I've said it, he's He's Joe Dumars 2.0. Mm. He's got crazy bounce, but he, his integrity for the game—he mm-hmm. never takes a possession off. His Mm-mm. teammates love him. He plays both ends. He goes and gets it. That dude is a star. Mm-hmm. But at this this year, I, I don't know. You are putting mm-hmm. me on the spot there. <clears throat> Auburn—they got a kid named Mustafa Heron that plays for them. He's a sophomore from New York. Yeah, can really play six-five lefty. Um, swing man can really play, and then the other kid out of Arizona that can really play. They don't talk a whole lot about it, is a kid named Raleigh Alkin, and he's from New York. Yep, yep. Um, Big he kid. can really play. Yeah, he can play. I just think maybe that system's not great for him. But I think he's a pro. And then they got another, Alonzo Trier, who's who's probably a pro also.
0: Now, so. you're not the only one saying that, like, essentially, this isn't, like, a very exciting draft class. You know, like, this has sort of, like, been talked about all year. Um, if you're a GM, you know, uh-huh. you're a coach, how do you do that? Like, what do you do? Do you trade away because there's no one there? Like, like there's no surefire guy. Like, you know, you watch more basketball uh than anyone I know you follow college you yeah. see these like you know what's going on and and you know and I'm asking you this question you can't stand behind someone being like last year it was like Lonzo it right. was Tatum you know there was Donovan yep. you know we knew who the guys were um what do you do if you're a GM or a coach like you know about this because essentially like no one seems that excited thus far
1: I, I think there are I, I actually would disagree just a little bit I think there are five or six guys in this this class that are going to be really good. Okay. Um. That and much like last year, I mean, we're already seeing last year's class with Tatum and and um, you know the guys that, that came in that were able to play right away, Dennis Smith Jr. and a, a really good class. There, but again, these guys are babies, so it's going to take them a little bit of time. When I looked at like like Duke right now, um, they've got the big kid Wendell Carter mm-hmm. and and Marvin Bagley. And I don't know if you saw Marvin out in LA. I saw him. Okay, freaky good, right? But is and he,
0: can he play basketball? Obviously, I think he'll grow into I think being.
1: He a, can. He's so I, he's so athletic, but I'm like, you, what's you, his skill set? But you got to remember, Mike. He he reclassified to. I mean, think about back, go back in the day. I know if I'd have, my junior year in high school would have really been my senior year, I'd have been a pretty good. But I wouldn't have been. All of that as a high school player, you know. So he's at Duke this this year, essentially as a high schooling uh, senior in high school. So I think that he's going to come a long way. He'll come a long way. But if you've got Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley, um, I'm not sure in the end who's going to be better. I think they're kind of like Weber, Chris Weber, and Jawan Howard. Okay, take your pick. Sort of okay. take your pick.
0: Yeah. Every single uh March, February, it's come up. It's the, the, the rush on it has been hardcore this year. I mean, they've been talking about this since you uh were in college, before you were in college, after you were in college. The conversation's never gonna stop. And and you know where I'm going. Let me just throw it to you like this. Are okay. are NCAA athletes, particularly college basketball athletes, ever gonna get paid? To play college basketball, like where do you see this going and ending? Because like the pressure keeps mounting, you know what I mean. And the kids, they know what's up. You know, uh, we just had a a school wide walkout the other day. You know, kids are informed, right? They're passionate. They have points of view. Uh, uh, You know, Jalen Rose was like boycott the tournament. Where do you see this going, and and where do you see it ending?
1: Well, you, you know, Mike, in your craft, you know how that business is inside and out. You know the writers' deal, you know the actors' deal, you guys do union and all that stuff. Well, and the thing about it is, we all grow up, and none of us, many of us, who, who grow up, you know, only way we're going to go to college is if we get a scholarship of some kind. And so you grow up, and you think that really is your only way out, and it is. But the thing is. <laughs> They tell you to sign the national letter of intent. That's got nothing to do. Did you sign one when you went to school? To, to, did you ever sign one, Mike?
0: Yeah, we, we, no, but they, that wasn't recruited, Rex. What are you but trying to do? That's what I'm saying. Right? Who cares?
1: Right? Who cares? It's i I'm committing to the school, and you can't commit to me. You're going to be there to, as my coach and all that. What am I doing? It's just a. It's a broken system, and mm. we know what's been going on for years. Um, it's a, it's a silly system. I think that they're going to have to clean it up and why clean it up. I mean, they're going to have to start at some point paying the players. And I don't know how they do that. Whether it's a, a partnership with the NBA, uh, expand the G league or that, uh, you know, Kentucky basketball program is a separate entity from the school. And it's just sort of school affiliated. I don't know how they do that, but they've got it. They're going to have to start doing it. Unlike these kids, it's going to take some time. I'm so proud of these kids who are doing what they're doing uh, with their peaceful protests right now uh, regarding firearms. So proud. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to take time for people. And I'm glad this is a back burner issue, but for the NCAA, it's going to take maybe the FBI getting involved here for them to sort of shape up. Uh, If not, Jalen Rose is absolutely right, and we know this, uh, from our own line of work. The most important time, uh, to make a statement is, hey, right here, you think the NCAA wouldn't pay attention if all the, all the kids on every team said, hey, look, until you guys get this figured out, we're not going to play. Mm. Well, as the same way for, when do you do it in the NBA? You do it right before the All-Star game, right, right before the playoffs. When in the, the Super you do it right before the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, right before the World Series. The problem with that is is that most players still are, are playing paycheck to paycheck. Most actors are still acting paycheck to paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, ultimately the owners can outlast you. But I think it's going to be. Uh, the NCAA is going to have to, uh, come to some sort of system. And I don't, you know, I don't need, I don't need college players making a billion dollars a year. I don't, I don't know that I need them making a half million dollars a year, but you're going to have to do something, whether it's, uh, pay them somewhat or pay them somewhat and then have some sort of, they, everybody, how about here's where we're going, Mike. CTE. Mm. When, what's going to happen with this, with the NCAA? You're telling me only NFL player get players mm-hmm. get CTE? Come on. We've got guys who are going to be dying soon from this. And as we know, they probably already are mm. and have been. But it's going to happen. They're going to have – so NCAA has all kinds of issues right now. Right.
0: All right. Last season, you and me sat right next to each other. Game five in Golden State. Uh, You you restrained me from possibly getting arrested or locked into a psych ward. We 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 rolled through the finals. We were in Cleveland together. Uh, We were in Golden State together. You saw me bring the plunger into the arena. You Mm -hmm. saw it all. We watched the whole series. NBA.
1: If we'd have just had a camera crew on us, how how much fun was that? it couldn't have been better. I mean, from the beginning to the end. Uh, you know, Karan and Kenyon and all those dudes were with us. And, I mean, but that that game five, how electric was that?
0: It was nuts. And you know it what's so cool? I, I, you know, watching the game with you and Karan, <laughs> and I tell people this all the time. Like, when, I, when you're watching the game with professional basketball players, and, like, I remember, like, a couple of times, like, you were, like, watch. Katie's going to. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Watch the set, yeah. like you know, you guys could sort of see, uh, uh, you know, from the where the guys are set up on the court, uh, and, and where they're they're positioning themselves so offensively or defensively, how the play is trying to unfold. For, I mean, watching it and having you and Karan, you know, just talk and and I, I just had a ball. It was so much fun, and then but rooting for Golden State and the Cleveland overall. I mean, it was just a freaking. I just had so much freaking fun i mean it was a goddamn i was just in heaven
1: yeah i was too but i I, and i'm gonna throw this right back at you you you, i i get it and i appreciate you saying that it's all all good all love man but um i i've got some friends who are in in the acting world and you know other celebrity type people that i that i know when i watch the godfather with them Uh or when i watch it it's the same thing right I could I could sit there all night and listen to you guys and talk about the lighting and the, and I'm just watching a movie. Right. That's all I'm doing, right. right? I don't know. I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> so, that's what it is though, but it was it was what I love about basketball is that you almost never see the same movie. Mm. You know, there's always some little wrinkle that happens at the end of the game. You know, we watch Virginia beat louisville a couple weeks ago just a heartbreaker and it was a comedy of errors down the stretch that just led to a ridiculous outcome and ultimately louisville not getting into the tournament Mm -hmm. but that's kind of why we like college because kids can lose their minds at any time much less than nba players
0: so being that we 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 had this experience last year i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with the finals and work our way backwards Now, Clay Thompson just had this this injury. I think it's on his shooting hand uh, that's going to keep him out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Steph's dealing with his ankles. Uh, The Houston Rockets are doing their thing. LeBron, although they're struggling, and I love when they struggle, he's still Mm -hmm. LeBron. Uh, He's innocent until proven that he could be beaten. Toronto's doing their thing, but I just don't believe anybody is going to get past Cleveland. Based on what I just said, Right now, where we're at, of course, these injuries could happen. Who are going to be the, the two teams from the West and who are going to be the two teams from the East to make it to the Final Four of the NBA right now?
1: All right. Right now, I, I, I'd have to go with the Gonzaga of the NBA, mm. the Toronto Raptors. Mm. They Listen, I want to believe... In the Raptors, Dwayne Casey, their coach, was my coach at Kentucky. Mm. Uh, so I, I believe in them. I want to believe in them. But until they actually break through, I'm not sure. I can't. It's so hard. LeBron, is he's just so good. Uh, and if he's able to pull this team, he's had a complete makeover. Literally. Mid-season. Literally. If he's able to somehow will that team to a finals, my God. I mean, it's, I I can't imagine that that could happen, but we also hadn't seen anybody on this sort of streak going to the finals before. So, uh, yeah, I, Boston, I still, I pull it for Boston. Uh, you know, Danny and I go way back. I think that they're young. I'm not sure they're ready yet though. Uh, when Gordon gets back possibly, but they're a tough one. Uh, well, I wish Milwaukee was better. Yeah. They should be better. And in the West, uh, I asked, I've asked asked several uh, friends in the East what they think. Uh, and I've said, hey, it's Houston for real? And every last one of them have said, yes, sir, they're for real. So I think it's the Warriors and uh, uh, two-horse race, Warriors Rockets out West.
0: And, and what do you think about Oklahoma? Because they're a problem, and Russell Westbrook is – Like he's a savage, right? He, he, I never seen anybody like. There's not a moment off.
1: I get it. No, I'm, I'm in awe of him. Uh, His motor—that—that—that's the thing I think that separates him. You know, I could play in bursts like he played for two possessions. He can play it for ten possessions, and then you know, keep going. His motor is incredible. His mentality to just want to kill you every night—you gotta love it. I love Paul George. Yep. I love Stephen uh, Adams. He's a He's goon. A He's a goon. He, and, and he likes being nasty. Yeah. So, okay. But they have Mello. And Mello's my dude. I was with Mello for five years in, in uh, Denver. Love him to death. But he is not. I mean, Mellow can't dunk it anymore. Jesus. I mean... I mean, he – and you see him defensively right now. So if they're going to do it, they need to do it now because, you know, Melo's. you know, hey, people can't play forever. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, But, you know, it's it's tough to watch him right now.
0: Mm. And at the end of the day, when you see the matchups between Golden State and Houston, and obviously these injuries, you know, a guy could – You know, Klay Thompson's thumb injury, who knows how bad it is. And I I think it's on his shooting hand. And Klay Thompson could do a lot of things, and defensively he's always a problem. But at the end of the day, we need Klay Thompson to be able to shoot the ball uh, and pain-free. Matching up Golden State-Houston, who wins that? Who do you think would win that?
1: I think a healthy Golden State wins it. I, I just think they're more versatile. I think they've got taller, longer players. And I think ultimately it's going to come down. You're going to have to get stops, and James won't get stops for you. He just won't. He can't um, play defense, right? It, he can. I, he, he can. He's not the best, but it's just his, that he doesn't fight harder that, that bothers people. And it would bother mm. you know teammates. Um, but listen, he's having, a, having an incredible offensive season. Um, he's a beautiful basketball player. And I do want to clean up Mello. I love Mello to death. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Mello, we all get to that in, in part of our career. I think he could probably still give these guys something this year. But it's hard when you're out there and your legs aren't doing exactly what your mind wants it to do.
0: Um, all right. So th- there we have it. Now let me throw a couple of old school questions at you. I'm going to throw names okay. at you. See if you, got, if you got anything, you got anything. If you don't, you don't. Um, right. Moses Malone. You played against Moses Malone. When your grandkids, and, and this could happen anytime because you're so fucking old, when your grandkids come and they say, uh, Grandpa Rex, um, <laughs> if you could remember, you know, the 80s, Moses Malone, what was Moses Malone like to play against?
1: Man, he was just so big. He, he was big, and I never, I don't know that I ever played against a guy that was more comfortable just going down there and putting his ass on you, just being big and demanding the ball. Throwing it up, getting his own rebound, he was relentless. One of my favorite Moses stories, though, (laughs) was uh, Mm -hmm. John Lucas. Uh, You know John, who was not only the number one pick in the NBA draft, he was a two-time NCAA tennis champ. Did Mm -hmm. you know that? Yep, I did. So, so he and Moses crazy, crazy, right? And I asked him once. I said, because he played in Wimbledon, he played against Borg and McEnroe and Connors and all them. And I said. He said, I could beat everybody but them. And I said, why? He said, well, I could get to anything. He said, at the end of the day, though, I only played tennis for about four months, a year. He said, and they just hit more balls than I had. <laughs> they were better than I was. And I also realized I like saying, we lost better than I lost. Uh, like <laughs> that. That's cool. Yeah, but, but Big Moses, uh, he and Luke went to uh, Maryland, University of Maryland together. And they got up for school the first day. It was like 6 a.m. And Luke uh, and Luke and Moses were rooming together. And Luke said, Mo, get up, get up. He tried to get up, went back to sleep. Luke said, come on, Mo, we got to get up. We got class. And said, Moses turned over to him and said, no, nah, forget that, Luke. I'm going to pros. Got up, got his stuff, left. And entered the draft, and that was entered it. Next, day, and that was it. He was out one day on campus. One day, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. And then, and then went and was a top pick. You know, just silly, talented, great, and such a funny dude and a great teammate. Um,
0: Rick Mahorn
1: <laughs>
0: was because you know I I got to know Rick. Uh, throughout the years, I played with him in the, in, in you know celebrity games uh, uh-huh. when he was still in the league. Uh, you know the big three last summer. He's such a nice guy, but yeah. when he played, he was disgusting, mean, vicious, and talk about yeah. an ass. He's got an ass. Oh si- I mean, he's just big. And mean, Gigantic. and I tell him to his face to this day. I said, "You got bad breath." Like, what was it like? <laughs> like you run through the you run through the paint with Rick Mahorn. Was was he really that mean? Or is it a put on when you were playing against him?
1: Nah, it, it really wasn't. But it what was his genius was that he would hit guys like me. I mean, I mean, just you know, if you came across the lane in the eighties and nineties, you were getting hit. You had to get hit. It was sort of a rule. I mean, you. You, get, you touch somebody when they go through there. Well, you know, there are big guys like Carl Malone uh-huh. who would, would try to get you, but he's not trying to get the seven-footer. Rick was trying to get everybody. And when he would get you with his little ass, you know, bump you with his ass or hit you with a chicken wing, and it was somebody like me, if it got me real good, he would just start giggling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like that. And, uh, you know, so I would take great pride in, you know, just sneaking him on a back picket. Messing him up during the course of a game. But word to the wise, do not, do not go up behind Rick Mahorn at this day and age and try to touch him or grab him in any way he might kill you. His back is so jacked up now. <laughs> you yeah. see how he walks, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. But Rick, a big teddy bear. I love that dude. All
0: right. Now, you played against Jordan. You played against Magic. You played against Isaiah Thomas. I mean, all the guys, Kevin Johnson... Who's the guy that we forget about that's not on that top of that list that gave you the biggest fits um, that you Oof. were just most impressed with?
1: Well, uh, Clyde Drexler. Um, Clyde was unbelievable. Six, seven, huge hands. Um, just, I mean, incredible uh, basketball player. The different, biggest difference between he and Michael, I think, was their motor. Oh. And, and in that, Michael went and got it every night. It didn't matter, and Clyde sort of felt he he played much like I When they felt challenged, that's when they played. Okay, and so I played on a bunch of bad teams. Probably that's probably why I wouldn't play very hard. But uh, no, I, I think that uh, Clyde was crazy talent. Joe DeMars uh, to me, one guy that just busted my ass was Ricky Pierce. Oh, uh. when I was a rookie. Ricky Pierce scored on me three straight possessions and was talking junk to our bench, talking junk to our coach and said, you know, Kentucky running back down and saying, y'all better get this white off of me as fast as you. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him off. (laughs) 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 You're like, listen to him. I don't want anything to do with this. That's why he he was a grown man, Mike. I I should have been my junior year in college.
0: That's crazy.
1: All right,
0: yo Rex, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, somehow, some way, we got to figure out a way to do something in the finals because we have to relive no doubt. the gorgeousness. There's so much fun uh, to rock with you last year, and um, you know, hopefully, we, we we could take a trip this uh, this spring.
1: Always, and uh, yeah, we'll come back on. I'll come back on once uh, Kentucky basketball season's over where I can use some more colorful language where I won't feel like I'll get fired from every job. Nah, you're good, you're good. We'll,
0: we'll keep it. You see, you heard me say it freaking a couple of times, right? See, I, I, I brought it back.
1: I caught myself. Yeah, good. Yeah, we got to police you know each other. I, you know, you how know how I do.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Rex, y'all All right, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, my man.
1: All right, man. All, All right, cool, bye.
0: That's it. That's it. We came, we saw, we conquered. As I told you once, I told you twice, we were going to do the damn thing. Have no fear. The I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast is here. Listen, later in the week, we got more hits. I'm going to tell you something. You ever heard of Matt Barnes? Remember the Matt Barnes podcast? Remember the first one? Well, part two is coming up. Matt Barnes is back on the Iron Am Rapport Stereo Podcast later this week. My name is Michael Rappaport, the forty-eight-year-old wonder boy. Speaking on behalf of the Dust Brothers, Miles and Jordan, and G. Moody (last name rhymes with Duty). Told you once. Say it again. All buttersoft I am Rapaport Stereo Podcast, including the Sucker Shit Part Two, Sucker Shit Version Two T-shirt is out. Districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport. Appreciate all the Instagram, Twitter social media birthday wishes i am the gringo mandingo aka the jeff rulin of podcasting aka the jake lamotta of podcasting this is the world's best podcast the i am rap report stereo podcast the worldwide phenomenon miles jordan take us out of here with something real funky let me get a smacker to end this show i'm out